Evening, everybody, and welcome to the finale of the soccer scene for another season uh, with myself, Adrian Finnan, and Noel O'Connor. Noel, our first podcast was on February the 2nd. Um, nine months later, we're, we're at the finish line. You know, that, that went by pretty quick, didn't it? It actually did. It's kind of scary how quick it does go, in fairness. But I'm just looking forward now to the bonus arriving in, in the post there next week from <laughs> for all the hard work we've done. Yeah, if anyone's wondering, I, I think Noel, you know, a Christmas jumper was about the best I could get him last year for uh, for payment for his hard work. Um, I, I might try and get you two this year, Noel. How about that? That'll do, yeah, because you'll probably need two for one of me anyway. <laughs> oh, geez, I, I wouldn't say that, no. But um, I suppose no better place to start, Noel, than, than, you know, what I would say is looking at our predictions for the for the season. Uh, this year and and comparing them uh, with each other, I looked at it last night, Noel, uh, in preparation for tonight. Uh, no surprise to see myself bottom. I include our our good friend Jason O'Connor in this, who obviously had predictions laid out for the season and and left us maybe midway through. Um, yeah, I I had three teams right, Noel. If I if I call them out in order of for myself that I have them here, but my own predictions were. Waterford to win the league, uh, which didn't work out. Obviously, their their runners up in my predictions were Cork City, but obviously you switched those two teams around. I did have Galway correct in in third place. Treaty uh, fourth, obviously had one had a one place better than they did finish in fifth. Uh, Bray Wanderers were my biggest letdown. Noel, I had them in for fifth place. They obviously finished seventh in the league. Uh, Longford, I had for sixth. They were fourth, and then Wexford seventh, at Lone eighth, and Cove nine. So Cove and at Lone saved me really from obliteration at the end. Uh, your own predictions, Noel, very similar to me. You had Waterford, Cork and Galway in the top three in that order. Um, Treaty fourth as well. You had Longford fifth. Uh, Wexford sixth. The, the bottom four was just unbelievable, really. Wexford sixth, Bray seventh at Lone eight and Cove ninth. So you got all four right uh, for bottom. And obviously, uh, Longford third as well. Um, you know, I remember thinking at the time, Noel, that maybe you were a bit ambitious about Wexford. I put them in seventh, but you suppose you were proved right in the end and they were your um, saving grace uh, and, and best prediction, I suppose, of the season to go from bottom to, to sixth position. Yeah, look, it's it's difficult. And you, at the back of your mind, you, you know that it could come back to haunt you as well. Um, I think overall, we, we don't do too bad. Um, it was great to get the bottom four. Obviously, I'd have a bit of insider knowledge of Wexford. And I did expect them to improve and they certainly did. Um, you mentioned there a while ago, myself and Jason particularly were quite negative about the Bray Wanderers, Cabin Teeley merger and how the chemistry mightn't be great there. And so that certainly proved to be. And, um, you know, I felt coming straight down, Longford would be a bit of a handful. Um, we based the treaty position on, on what I did last year. And in fairness, look, we weren't a million miles away, as I said a while ago. If you get one position wrong, that means that you get that you get two wrong. It's certainly not an easy thing to do. Waterford, I think everyone would agree, certainly in the last few months of the season, we're far and away the best team in the league. And while I wouldn't be championing at any stage for managers to go, it certainly worked and paid dividends for them. Whatever happened with Waterford and, and Ian Morris, the chemistry was certainly wrong. And... Uh, after he left, they certainly did take off and uh, they proved to be a fantastic team to watch. Yeah, it would be remiss of me as well, Noel, not to call out Jason O'Connor's predictions. I know he might be on to me if I didn't uh, do it as well. He was level with yourself, Noel. He had five correct as well. 
he had a perfect order in the top three. He had Cork as champions, Wadford second, uh, Galway third. Then he had Treaty fourth, like ourselves. Um, Bray fifth, like myself as well. Longford sixth, uh, Wexford seventh. We were very similar in in many respects. You had Lone eighth and Cove ninth, but he did have five uh, correct. Now, unfortunately, he as I said, he is no longer on the, on the podcast with us, but... If I was to do a, a, a tie, you know, a, try and break the tie, um, tiebreaker, I would have done it for the, we'll say, the, the playoff game this week. But unfortunately, that won't happen. But yeah, Jason and yourself, uh, neck and neck, not. Yeah, look, I'm, he was kind of streaking away there for a while and uh, he was letting us know every week about it. So uh, <laughs> it's probably, even though I certainly do miss him and I, I think he's a big last one podcast. And um, I certainly wouldn't be happy to be listening to him now tonight if he had got one more than myself. So I'm certainly happy to be at least be uh, uh, an even keel with him. Yeah, absolutely. No, no um, tiebreaker, uh, unfortunately. I know that you are probably happy as well, Noel, but the one that let me down the most is obviously that Bray Longford situation. You said it about Bray that you didn't think the chemistry was right. But also, in fairness, you had Longford, you had him in fifth. So to get the playoff spot, I had him in sixth. Um, you were confident that they were always going to get a playoff place and that did play out because I suppose that you know they're always in a notoriously good side in, in the first division Noel, in terms of you know getting jobs done in terms of playoffs or promotions and you know despite the fact now that manager Gary Cronin's gone and there might be a bit of upheaval on this season on the basis of this season alone uh, they did their job really uh, they did and they certainly brought it he brought a few good players from from Bray with him as well I felt and he certainly had a, a, a bit of experience in terms of, of the higher side of the first division, if you like. And I think they're a, they're a team that don't have to deal with the pressures of, you know, even getting promoted. You know, I spoke about that at the start of the season as well, particularly about Cork, how, how they react to full house, you know, at home if they were a goal down. And look, they had a couple of difficult nights there, there's no doubt about it. But that's not something that a Longford team ever has to deal with. And uh, it can't be underestimated. Same about Galway United. You know, it seemed to become very negative there for the last couple of months. I spoke to John Caulfield after the last game against Treaty. And, you know, I just felt he was very downbeat. And they're obviously taking a lot, uh, a lot of criticism. Yourself and myself were in the stand there last, last Friday night. You know, and the amount of bile and viciousness that was coming off the stand from the Galway United sports was certainly very, very disappointing for me. Um, for a club that hasn't really done done a whole lot, and um, they seem That's to be very down. Aspect, Noel, isn't it? Because like it wasn't like uh, Galway were coming up against novices. I mean, there's three full time sides in that first division. Cork City been really strong, as we know, and Waterford as well. So. I mean the 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 joke that's going around is that Galway finished third in a in a two horse race because obviously for most of the the season it was between Cork and Galway, um. But you know I suppose the the expectant the expectation levels from Galway would be fair enough if it was the first division of yesteryear, but it was extremely competitive this year too. Absolutely, and look, I mean, what I couldn't get over then was, like, they didn't seem to see what was happening on the pitch. And what was happening on the pitch, I thought Galway were outstanding. And uh, look, I think, is it two or three goalkeeping errors? I certainly had two. Um, gave them a mountain to climb. I thought they never they never gave up. They they died with their boots on for their manager, you know, which I always look for. 
desperately unlucky with a, a couple of chances hitting the butt of the post and the ball coming out two yards out, an empty goal, and the guy just couldn't get his leg around it. Um, Stephen Walsh obviously missing a penalty. I felt if they'd got that penalty with 11 minutes to go, I could at least seen the game to, to extra time against a very good Waterford team because we've been saying that, how good that Waterford team is. And, uh, you know, if they kind of folded the tent early on, um, I might have said, you know, but and even talking to him going out, there was there was no talking to any of them even about the performance on the night, mm. you know. And then there, the fact that John Caulfield had to run off the pitch with a steward before the rest of the team uh, came out, I think it's really, really disappointing and, and kind of ignorant as well. Um, I don't know if he'll stay or not. I certainly hope he does stay. Um, yeah, he um, yeah, he's about to continue on, Noel, from from what I can see on, on the... Yeah, the and that's what he would say, and he'd be right. And look, if if Galway think that they can be so negative towards the team, and there's another side then of, you know, if it's always the manager's fault, you know, you can fall into a bit of a a cycle where, you know, it's it's kind of giving the players a bit of protection at times. Yeah. I mean, the guy who should have been coming out, like some of the performances, you know, the defence for the second goal... Uh, the centre half letting the ball bounce, no one on the cover, and uh, how easy the goalkeeper was beaten. You know, if it was an under fourteen team, you'd be disappointed with it. Yet, you know, they seem to come out of it totally unscathed, and you know, it's somehow the the manager's fault because a guy can't stand up and attack the ball in the air. Yeah, certainly will be interesting, Noel, to see what happens in in the off season. We obviously know already that there's been. Uh, three managerial departures, high-profile managerial departures. Ollie Horgan has left Noel as well after nine seasons uh, with Finn Harps. Um, they say it will be uh, a loss to league. That's an understatement. It will be a loss to league if he isn't at another club next season. Obviously, we don't know what will happen. Then you have Gary Cronin has left Longford. Um, I know there's, there's rumours about him going to Bohemians uh, with Declan Devine. And then you have Ian Ryan leaving Wexford, which you know is one of the more surprising aspects. I think John Godkin, who is the new... Uh, we'd say director of football or head of football at Wexford is in there now and there has been a bit of structural change um, at, at Wexford but three managerial disappoint or sorry departures that we may come on to at a later time um, we didn't have time last week Noel to discuss the 3D United exit from the playoffs actually at the hands of Waterford um, they went out um, fighting anyway and went out swinging that, that's fair to say after the first leg Noel considering the way it went um, you know, you would have almost feared for them at the RSC, even if Waterford had taken the foot off the pedal. But for that first half, the, the 3D team made everyone believe and they were 3-1 up at the break. And, you know, there was party at the back of your mind, much like UCD the season before. That I was thinking, can this be done? But obviously that concession of the penalty early in the second half just, just snuffed that out in the end. Yeah, look, they were great in fairness to them. Um, I kind of felt that I, I wasn't that worried about them getting, say, and I think they did get a good beating in Marcus Field. You know, they were talking about late goals and, you know, this and that. But overall, you know, I thought that they were really second best, which is no disgrace to that Waterford team when they're on song. And I felt that, you know, Waterford would have felt that the job was more or less half done and maybe he'd make a few changes because they had to think of the match against Galway United. So I never felt that it was going to be, if you like, another gung-ho performance by Waterford where they go after him for the first whistle. I think they were even surprised, let's say, by uh, how, how well Treaty, I think, adapted to the conditions on the night. And I think uh, playing success up front s- certainly did work. And it also probably exposed a few defensive frailties uh, in that Waterford uh, 
team that may well come back to haunt them uh, against UCD. And we certainly saw it again on, on Friday night, although, you know, they weren't punished on, on the scoreboard, but certainly they looked uh, shaky for a lot of those minutes. But uh, credit for Treaty to going down and giving it a real go. I thought the changes were good. And um, it probably was something that needed to happen because, you know, it was more or less the same team probably for the last six or seven games outside outside the Wexford game. And um, it was just a pity probably the way the season petered out because I think there was only one one win in the last seven games and uh, and a couple of draws, which was obviously disappointing because up to then they had been really, really good. Yeah, they had went on a really good run. And as you mentioned, maybe a bit of a barren spell tor- towards the end in, in terms of wins, Noel, but another achievement in terms of, of getting to the playoffs. Um, there's Enda Curran was actually nominated, Noel. There's three nominees for the player of the, the season in the first division and the current was one of those obviously we know how what his goals about his goal scoring press this season uh, with three that didn't go unnoticed obviously Stephen Walsh of Galway who effectively transferred from a uh, defensive player to a centre forward for Galway and kept them taking over for long periods he was a real focal point for them and Phoenix Patterson from Waterford I fully expect Phoenix Patterson to win the first division player of the year and all, but a great achievement for Enda Curran. And in terms of three of these two best performers who we discuss, um, you know, because of because of his goal scoring and you know his importance to the team in that respect, and the current is up there for, for mine anyway as one of the two uh, best performers. Um, it looked a bit shaky at one stage, you know, because he did have in maybe the middle of the season, he was missing a couple of games through injuries, he wasn't getting a huge run, but considering the amount of games he had. Uh, you know, he got a great goal scoring ratio. And another player, obviously, who has caught the eye, not just because, you know, he's he's so young and has adapted well to the league over the last year, but it's because of his positional change halfway through the season would be Callum McNamara for me at centre back. Um, you know, he was playing in centre field at start of the season. Um what about yourself, No? Who do you think were three of these uh, two best performers this season? Yeah, look, it's a no brainer that we pick Ender Kern. I mean is it 19 or 20 goals the kind of last count at the very end was it 19 yeah. before that Waterford game or before the playoff game before the penalty yes but um, 19 or 20 goals you know phenomenal return I was racking my brain with Tommy Lynch in town there a week or 10 days ago you know and you put Dean George's 11 or 12 as well and I think you have to go back to the the Premier team in 81 and 82 Tony Morris and Gary Humes you know to get something similar to to 30 goals. Um, certainly don't remember in my time as a supporter, certainly not as a manager. I think Stephen O'Flynn got us 15 goals uh, one season, which was great, but we certainly didn't have anyone else, you know, to tack on those seven or eight. And uh, look, it made a massive difference to the season. Um, he obviously grew in confidence as well. You could see it. You know, he became a real leader and it wasn't just his goals, but his ability to hold up the ball as well and maybe bring other people into play, just showed what a talent he was. And obviously, you know, he'll probably look at his career and say that, you know, he's kind of underachieved, certainly on the basis of what we've seen this season. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him next year. As regards the other player, I agree with you with Callum McNamara. I think he's done really well. I think he's a lot of work to do as well. But I think probably the unsung hero has been Jack Brady. Um, certainly came in with big boots to fill in Ty Grine, who outside the playoffs last year was excellent, made some unbelievable saves. And uh, I think there was a bit of pressure on Jack Brady at the start, had a couple of shaky moments, maybe four or five games in. But certainly at the back end of the season, thought he was really, really good. 
certainly there'd have been a lot more goals scored above the Brandywell, you know, only for him. And uh, even against Waterford, he uh, made some really, really good saves. So I think in terms of consistency and, you know, playing for the whole season, I'd have to put Jack Grady in there with um, within the current. Yeah, you make a good point about uh, an unsung hero, and, and Jack certainly is that in general. But another player, I suppose, though, who'd be worth to mention, you know, in fairness, a lot of the treaty players played well over the season. But another player who'd be worth to mention would be Sean Gearns, a man who probably doesn't get a huge amount of, of plaudits, no, in, in fairness. I know centre-backs generally don't um, get a lot of plaudits. It's the likes of Enda Curran that will steal the headlines, especially if you're doing well. But in fairness to Sean Gearns, no, uh, he's generally... Uh, solid as a rock and really has adapted. I know he've had time with that lone town in 2012, but you know, effectively he was a junior player with St. Michael's uh, for, for many years, <laughs> very well respected, but he really has uh, done a good job since he's come up to, to Tracy League level. Definitely, yeah, and has a nice few partners, I suppose, if we go back to the start of the season. Um, he had a different partner than Callum and even last year with Antono, uh, Anto O'Donnell. You know, he's and he's been the consistent guy, certainly a, a good first division centre half, no doubt, a good stopper, very aggressive, dominant. Throw back to the older days, maybe. Absolutely, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that either. No. But um because he's certainly a player that that you need in your side. And uh, you know, even if we looked at Cork last year, we might have said that they were a little bit soft and they needed someone like Sean Gearns and they signed Ali Gilchrist, you know, and he he mm. he put a bit of spine in the team, and that's something that both uh, Sean Gearns, I think Mark Walsh as well. I've said I've said about him outside his injuries, very very consistent and certainly that kind of player, no nonsense, gets the work done and always gives you probably at least um, a seven out of ten. Yeah, certainly. It's a, a broad topic, Noel, but in terms of the, the future of Treaty United, um, you know we probably discuss a strategy because in the last couple of years, Noel, obviously. They've had a, a a basis of a, an experienced squad. I know that we talk about maybe the likes of you know players coming up from junior level that don't have league world experience, like your Mark Walsh's, Sean Gearns, Willie Armshaw's, just to name a few. But you did have you know Enda Kern, Mark Ludden, Stephen Christopher, Joel Costrain, who obviously had his injury problems this season. Jack Brady uh, as well in the squad. You know even like Charlie Fleming before he departed, just to name a few. Lee Davis. Um, you know, there has been a huge spine of experience, particularly then when, when we brought in maybe success Erdogan and Ben O'Reardon midway through the season. You know, the bench was uh, fairly experienced, uh, if you include Matt Keane, who had a full season of our Swiss League under his belt as well. Um, you know, the, 3D United did say they were going to be a regional team as well, Noel. That has, you know, borne fruit, I suppose, in that there is players from the likes of Tipperary, Clare. Obviously, we know there's a huge contingent from Galway, really, or that allows the dominant team in the squad. Um, unfortunately for us, Noel, I suppose, the, the Limerick contingent has dwindled uh, since the, the formation of the club, and we only have Martin Coughlin of Abbey Field and, and Joel Castrain of Corbley uh, originally in, in the squad. I mean, you know, is the, the strategy next year to try and blood... The younger players that you see coming from the 17s and the 19s, or does Tommy try and go out and find those experienced players like he did last season? But that is hard to continue on in the League of Ireland all the time, and it isn't always successful, as we know. No, and I, I think it is probably something that they that they need to look at. Um, and it is a great achievement. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's coming fifth in the league. I, I think that they can do that. I think they can certainly do it next year. Um 
there's obviously a few departures already. Mm. We didn't mention Jack Lynch, uh, Connor Melody, another yeah. guy with, with loads of experience. Mm. And um, I do think there needs to be a bit of a balance there now. Obviously, I'd have a fair idea of what's about in terms of underage. Um, I was over the Kennedy Cup squad in 2019 in Limerick, and there's a few of them starting to filter into to the junior leagues. You know, there's lads scoring for Fairview B and coming on the sub for, Airview, uh, for Fairview A. There's a couple of lads now playing every week in the Premier League with Jamesborough. And um, I, I think it's important now, and I think it's important for treaty. And I think one of the things that Tommy was disappointed with is the crowds. And I think there's no doubt it's not the only reason, but it's probably one of the reasons. You know, I, I suppose it's time now to to try these guys out. Um, I don't think it'll have a massive impact in terms of where Treaty finish. Um, I think it'll it's a better strategy. Um, you don't want to become that club where everyone goes to, to kind of either finish their careers or rehabilitate their their careers. And obviously, look, it's not about throwing everyone out. You certainly need that bit of experience as well. But uh, I do remember talking again to Tommy Lynch years ago when Paul, Paul Finucan was was breaking into the Limerick first team. And, you know, I spoke to him about maybe him playing left full before he went in centre half. And uh, I think the same thing. I think Darren Owanko is a decent, uh, a decent athlete. You bring in Ben O'Reardon halfway through the season, you know, he did okay in fairness. Would Darren Owanko have done any worse? You know, I'd be inclined to think that he certainly deserved an opportunity. And... Maybe if he did do well, it would give the the coaching group, if you like, a bit more belief in terms of trying a few more people. But I think in terms of the overall strategy, certainly we need to see more players, you know, and you don't really know if they're going to be good enough on, on until you put them in. And guys often surprise you in, in that way. But certainly we, see, we need to see more guys being given the opportunity. And I think that's what the treaty mantra was, if you like, when it started. But we're still waiting to see that um, uh, happen in real time. So hopefully it starts to happen uh, next season. I think you probably know with with the amount of departures last year. So you had six, I think it was six or seven players last year who would have been experienced players. Now they were they were replaced by experienced players effectively. But now we already see two players departed before you even get into the, the nitty-gritty of December where you find out about squad departures and, and squad incomings. So that's a, a huge test for, for Tommy Barrett because, as I said, the player pool of experienced players and all is, is quite small, isn't it, in the electricity league? So for every end of current, you might have, you know, with all due respect, a, a Joe Gorman who didn't work out with 3D United. So, you know, I suppose that's, that's where you look at it and say, hopefully the, the academy players can start coming through. Yeah, and it's not like I know... Tommy goes on about Treaty being only two years in existence and it'll be three years next year. But, you know, there has been League of Ireland academies in Limerick now for, you know, 10 or 12 years. And those players are still around. Obviously, they were under the banner of Limerick FC. And Tommy would have a good knowledge of those as well. Um, but certainly, I, I think I think it has to happen. Um, and I think as well, that would help, the you know, the situation where sometimes you hear Tommy saying, well, you know, we only train one night a week or we only get together for three or four hours a week, you know, including a match. If 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 we had more of that local pool around, I think that I would be more available to go training and there wouldn't be as much travel involved for them. And, you know, as again, it goes back to coaching and you've got to get your sleeves rolled up and start working on these players and start to, to improve them. And there might be a bit of short-term pain, but certainly long-term game. And, you know, we've proven that, 
years and years ago where if, if, if you put the young guys in, give them a chance and coach them and develop them, then you have a kind of a real good nucleus and it, it would certainly be a team maybe that would bring a few more supporters through the gate. And of course, no recent announcements uh, from the league and the and the PFAI have have been of huge interest to everyone in the league. Obviously, there there's talks of a, a minimum uh, professional contract of four hundred and thirty euros a week uh, for players over twenty years old uh, for the full time clubs, and one hundred and thirty euros guaranteed if you're a part time player. Now the PFAI are actually bartering for one hundred and ninety euros uh, minimum for part-time now I'm not sure I agree with that Noel whatever about the, the likes of your Derrys and your Shamrock Rovers and Dundalks able to play a minimum wage I can un- I can understand that more so uh, the, the first division clubs managed to get that down and negotiate that down to, to 130 euros which you know would make sense Um, yeah so you know I suppose what's your take on, on the whole thing because actually it's funny we know that 3D United are an amateur club um, and and I know Stephen McGuinness, uh, the PFAI chief, said that you know they'll be hoping to try and, and get rid of, of amateur clubs if, if they had their way uh, competing in a, in a professional league. So what do you make of it overall? Yeah, look, Stephen McGuinness is fine. He's entirely his opinion and he's working on behalf of the players. You know, he's never mm-hmm. had to run a club or um, treaty have said that they're an amateur club. And I saw, I actually read the piece myself and there is a, you know, a mandate there, if you like, for amateur clubs, you know, which is mm. by or from the FEI, which is obviously more important than what Stephen McGuinness wants or wishes for. Um, I think, look, it's it is heading that way, isn't it? Um, there is more money coming in. There seems to be more people getting involved. The the attendances are going up, and um, it's going to take a bit of time. But certainly, look. Certainly, at the at the professional level, guys do need um a bit more wages and a bit more structure. And if 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 we are going to keep more of these good young players at home, well, then obviously uh an increased wage structure is certainly going to help that. And I think it's step forward in the right direction. And look, at at some stage, you would hope that treaty when they get everything right and you know they have a bit more. Of the business community behind him that can maybe make a few steps in that direction as well but still regardless if you're a professional or an amateur i think that there's still a faci- there still should be facilities or players you know to train maybe at least two or three times a week if they want to play in uh in this league i do remember my my uncle albert who, who captain limerick uh Severe dedication going on back in the day, complaining probably about the fact that you know you'd probably be training at least three times a week and then traveling the length and breadth of the country on the weekend, the likes of Donegal in, in the back of a van. Uh, Noel, which just shows you the, the challenges, uh, there. Um, you know, it's it, I mean, it's been the League of Ireland, isn't it? A new concept on uh, you know, uh, to, to anybody, and this has been going on for years. But I suppose McGuinness is right as well, Noel, isn't he? In fact, that he, he was basically saying that. It'll stop the exploitation of players. I'm not saying that's generally going on because the League of Ireland clubs have all had their struggles um, fi- financially. So there's two sides to the argument. There's you're forcing clubs with low attendances, um, you know, to, to pay a minimum wage uh, to players. But I know Stephen McGuinness was saying if you can't afford to pay someone, which I suppose on the bare face of it, being a business owner yourself, if you're not able to pay someone 430 hours a week for as a full-time employee, then you probably shouldn't be a full-time outfit. You know, and that's true. And look, I mean, 
the the easy part is done is 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 saying it. The hard part is going to enforce it. Mm. You know, and we certainly have known chairman in the past who have offered players four hundred a week and five hundred a week. Yet after four or five weeks, they don't have any money to pay them, and at least the uh, the clubs who are offering a hundred or hundred and fifty are probably honourable enough to say, well. This is all I can give you, 100, 150 a week. But if you do sign, well, then you'll get it for the 40 weeks of the season. So, I mean, I don't think it's the, uh, an end to the troubles. You know, you can still see stuff going wrong, but it certainly doesn't seem to happen as much as as, as it used to before. Yeah, certainly not. And um, I'm sure we'll be discussing that into the new year as well, Noel, uh, before the new season. That's that's for sure. Uh, due to time constraints, we'll move on to our last couple of topics, Noel. But you have... The playoff final on Friday night, the playoff final proper at Richmond Park. You have UCD against Waterford. Very, uh, sorry, very surprising generally, Noel. You don't normally get this, but the exact same playoff in a league as the year before when Waterford were in the Premier and UCD were in the First Division takes place again. It's sure to be a, a cracking encounter, surely. I know playoff finals can be touchy affairs. I just feel with the, the attacking prowess in both sides that there could be goals in this one and it could be an entertaining night. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. Neither team will be sitting back, that's for sure. Um, I think probably UCD, particularly if they had anyone down watching the Galway Waterford game, will probably be happier playing playing Waterford, albeit with a really potent attack. But they certainly showed some some frailties at the back. Um, pretty hard one to to predict. In fairness, you think that there's a bit of revenge wanted as well by Waterford. They would have felt that, you know, they kind of slipped up last week or last year, should I say, against UCD. And I suppose unbalanced because of the, the amount of times I've seen Watford in the last few weeks and how well they're they're playing and how balanced their team are. I think I just have a feeling that they have probably a bit more more momentum than UCD have. And I, I just fancy them to, uh, to get the job done on, on Friday night. Yeah, I think the Watford will go up as well. I suppose, Noel, we were sitting and we were in the doldrums as a... I suppose we'll we'll call it monster supporters in terms of League of Ireland. We came and we were saying, geez, there's four uh, monster sides in the first division, which makes up four out of nine teams. Uh, we were at a low ebb, obviously, but now you've got Cork and hopefully, I, I in my opinion anyway, Waterford to go back up uh, to the Premier. And both clubs, you'd hope, although looking at Shelburne, it'll show you the, the gap in quality, but both sides, you would hope, will make an impression in the Electricity League Premier Division. And from that perspective of being you know from this province and from Munster and hoping to break the kind of the Dublin and the, the upper echelons that in in the league um it's it's a positive thing no absolutely it is and I think you're right I think there's probably enough finance and, and enough support around them now that they should be good enough to certainly stay up next year I think Treaty will certainly be delighted to see the back of Waterford as well and um, they certainly okay. won't want to fancy to meet him again next year. I'll, 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 I'll be at you the likes of UCD and Finharps coming down. But certainly Waterford gave um Treaty some sleepless nights overall with the five. Was it five games or five games five that overall, they? Yeah, yeah. Five overall, yeah. But um, no, look, it'll be good, and I think that the team that'll probably be in the danger zone next year will be Drata United. It looks like the way they finished mm-hmm. the season and um the way that Premier League is getting so strong and it, they're certainly going to be have and have nots in, 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 in that league next year. Yeah, absolutely. We also missed out the, the Munster game. That would have been six games, I believe, the, the one where Trady won earlier in the season. It wasn't quite a friendly, even though sometimes the, the Munster Senior Cup in the early stages can have 
have that um that feel to it. I know Noel, you were talking about um you know the division. You were kind of hope, looking at the division if UCD and Finharps came down and saying, well, well, with Cork and Waterford gone, it might be a little weaker. But you know, I just can't get over the the Finharps uh, playoff defeats, and I, I hope it hasn't scared the likes of Tommy Barrett as much as it scared me because I was not happy to see to see them coming back into the first division. No, look, and they'll be regardless of what happens up there. It'll be interesting to see if Gavin Dyke steps up. You don't know, Paul Hegarty might. My fancy chance to come back and look, there's great local players there. Um, I saw when Pike, I can't remember who they played in, in the FAI Senior Cup, but they got a good mauling up, up, up on United, yeah. Yeah, and then I looked through the team, and there was about four or five of them who you know had played with Finn Harps in, in the last two or three years. So, you know, a good strong Ulster Senior League there. You might get a few young guys from Derry, you know, who'll, who'll come and play with Finn Harps. Maybe Sly goes well just to get the experience of playing. And uh, whatever about staying in the Premier League, there are always a, a handful in the first division. I'm sure there'll be a handful um, next season as well. Very much a kind of a Longford feel, Noel, it has to be said to, to Finn Harps in, in the first division, like we were talking about earlier. Um, on a final note, Noel, Donna Reardon stepped down this week as the 3 United Senior Women's Manager. I mean, there's no dressing this up, Noel. It's been a miserable season for the, the 3 United Senior Women's uh, team. You know, I'm not speaking about effort. I'm just speaking purely on results, finishing uh, bottom of the league with, with some heavy, heavy defeats. I mean, it's probably no surprise at all, really, to see to see Donna Reardon uh, step aside. Yeah, look, it must have been a tough year for him as well. Um, I thought he was a good appointment, you know, with his experience. And uh, look, things didn't work out. And that's another league that's gone very, very competitive and very, very good. Anyone who was watching the last few matches, the... The, the Shells and Wexford final league game and even the cup final, like the standard has really blown up. Um, I'm not quite sure what treaty have to do, but they certainly have a lot of work to do in terms of um, bringing the, that group um, up to the standard that the league is, is shown at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings a, a wrap on things, Noel, for the 2022 season. It does feel like a very short time ago that we started out in the journey, particularly after watching uh, last night's uh, first podcast, just to do a bit of a, a prep session for tonight. But uh, it, was, it was a thoroughly enjoyable uh, season, and thanks very much for for your input. And you know, hopefully, we'll you never know what will happen over the Christmas period, but hopefully, we'll be back next year. And we do thank our supporters, uh, very loyal band of supporters who have, have stuck with us through the season. So. Uh, thanks very much for that and if we do come back hopefully you'll be uh, back with us on side um, and Noel I'll start ordering that Christmas jumper there online I think yeah you better go before all the extra large ones are gone you better you better order really enjoyed it myself and really enjoyed the season and, and hopefully we'll be back next year looking at another successful uh, season for Treaty absolutely